last summer, God spoke to my heart and said, I'm bringing renewal to Kingwood Church. I want to do a work of renewal at Kingwood Church. And one of the things that uh, God always does in a time of renewal is He calls us to return. It was so interesting this morning when the Club 5 kids came and read their verse out of Revelation, which is actually uh, a message that God gave to different churches in the end times, now times. He gave a different message to those churches, and it was interesting that you could hear in that, in that message to that church that God was really calling them, like, you did this well, you did this well, you did this well, but I want you to return to me in this area. And so uh, that's what renewal is. It's a returning. It, it is to become refreshed in the basic but the deep things of God. In order for God to do renewal, we have to return to everything He's calling us to do. So we've said it like this the last two or three weeks. If you return to part of what God is doing, you will only have part of what God wants to do in your life. If you return to part of what God's doing, you'll only have part of what God wants to do in your life. And, and the part that you have, you will find that you'll have a hard time living in renewal in one part. So if you have missed any of the messages from the series, I really encourage you to go onto our podcast, go onto our website, you can find it there. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. Go grab the podcast and listen to uh, any of the messages that you missed to kind of catch up. We talked the first week about God calls us to return to Him, return to God, then return to spiritual relationships. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Last week, we said God calls in a time of renewal for us to return to uh, the Christian life. And then today, I'm just going to wrap this up by saying God calls us to return to fruitfulness. Now, I don't know that if you've ever uh, suffered a part of a drought. I don't know if you, I would be very surprised if, I never have, uh, and, and I would be very surprised if anybody or, or very many people uh, in here this morning have suffered through a, a harsh drought. Now, by the way, you know, uh, being able to, uh, having your water regulated where you water your yard on odd or even days, or not being able to wash your car in the driveway for a little while, that's not really a severe drought, right? Are you with me? I mean, that, that's not like what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a severe drought. Water is one of the most precious resources we have on earth. Just think about uh, everywhere you know about in the world. Everywhere there's water, there's life. Everywhere there's not water, if there is life, it's very little, and that life struggles to survive. Water is precious. I don't know if you know this or not, though, but fresh water, drinkable fresh water, is only 0.003% of all the water on earth. Most of the water we have on earth is not drinkable. Only 0.003, in other words, three-tenths of a percent of the water we have on earth is drinkable. So it is, it is a, a, a very important resource, life-giving resource, necessary resource, but a small amount of the water that we have. Now, uh, we've experienced some droughts in America maybe where food prices will go up or we'll have things regulated. In 1988, America had a bad drought and the economic loss, I looked it up this weekend, was $40 billion that we lost because of drought in America, which by the way is worse than three of the greatest natural catastrophes in American history combined. 
And so it, 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 it enacts a great uh, suffering on people. But in many places in the world, when people suffer drought, they don't pay with their wallet, they pay with their life. I don't know if you know this or not, but in the 20th century alone, 40 million people on earth died because of drought. 40 million people died because of drought. Drought is called the creeping phenomenon. The creeping phenomenon. Because it is a slow and steady and progressive and sneaky death that creeps up on you and most often you're not even aware that it's going on unless you're trained in that kind of science or something like that. In the long run, there's only one cure for a drought. I mean, we can move water from one part of the earth to the other and some of that. But in the long run, there is only one cure for drought, and that's rain. You've got to have rain to cure the drought. Now, the verse that we're reading this morning says that God works like the rain. God works like the rain. He's like the rain. So wherever God is working like water, there's life. Where God's not working, there's drought. There's a spiritual drought. So in the verse we're going to read this morning, you're going to hear that, that God is using this picture of drought and rain and dryness and rain to contrast the difference between what we look like when God is alive in us and we've returned to Him fully versus what it looks like when we're away from Him or, or only return to Him in part. So this is what Hosea says in Hosea chapter 3. We've been reading these same verses the whole month, and today we'll read them for the last time. But look with me at Hosea 6, uh, 1 through 3. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but He will heal us. He has injured us, but He will bind up our wounds. After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will restore us that we may live in His presence. So you see this work that God is doing to, to, as people return to Him, He's restoring and renewing and refreshing. Verse 3, let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge Him. As surely as the sun rises. What happens when God's people fully return to Him? What happens? As surely as the sun rises, He will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains like the spring rains that water the earth. When God's people return to Him, when people return to God fully, God begins to move and show up like the rain. He begins to hydrate. He begins to refresh. He begins to pour out. Now, it's very challenging for us to hear the verse uh, the way that the people who Hosea was writing to would have heard it. These were agricultural people, and their entire well-being depended on the rain. No rain meant no crops. It meant no food. It meant no animals. It meant famine. It meant starvation. It meant death. Oftentimes it meant war. Because whoever the people were that were left would be fighting over whatever water was left in a region. So the purpose of rain was to make the land fruitful and to make the land multiply. When, when the plants grow... Every plant has a reproductive system that has hundreds, sometimes thousands of seeds in it. So every plant has the ability to multiply. From one plant, you can have a whole field of plants. From one seed, you can have 
thousands of seeds and thousands of plants and thousands of orchards and thousands of fields. So whoever controlled the rain in Israel controlled the entire society. Without rain, there's no harvest, and the land wouldn't be fruitful. If there was no rain, Israel had to repent. So maybe you remember a few months ago we were talking about the story of Elijah uh, and the prophets of Baal and how, how uh, they were going to have a showdown and see who was going to be the real God. And he said, dig a trench around the altar and pour water in it. Well, at that time, Israel was in a drought. And so it was a big deal to say, hey, pour water out on the altar and wet everything down good with the little bit of water you got left. So it's the same idea. Israel had to repent when there was a drought. So when Israel fully returned to God, Hosea 6 says, God would show up like the rain. Now it says two interesting types of rain. Winter rain and, uh, and fall rain, or, or winter rain. And So the winter rains were the early rains. They were the rains that would uh, begin in October and November. And the early rain would refresh the ground so that it would be porous and uh, 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 the nutrients would be up. It would be hydrated and it would be ready for planting. It would be ready for seed when the time came. The early rain would refresh the ground so it would be ready. The latter rain would nourish the crop so, so the harvest would explode. When the fruit started to produce, it needed rain or the fruit or the vegetable would die on the vine. So God uses this farming picture and describes what happens when the rain shows up. The land would be fruitful and would multiply. And, and watch this. When God's people fully return to him, when you and I, all that we are, engage all that God is, the Bible says he will show up like the winter and the spring rains. He will begin to nourish and pour out and refresh. So this is the picture that we have in Hosea 6, 1-3 of renewal. So what does it look like in, in my life, in your life? What does it look like in our church? What is renewal? What's a picture of renewal look like? Here's what it is. Renewal is happening when we are returning to Jesus' mission. When our hearts begin to break for our family and our friends and those who we know by name who don't know God, the people who are far away from Him, when my heart and your heart starts to tear and to break for people who don't know what it is like to have a life-changing relationship with Jesus, when we return to God, fully return to Him, to that kind of heart, that kind of brokenness. Now, I've seen this kind of renewal in my life. I haven't seen it often. Maybe I've seen it twice. I know for sure I saw it once. When I was a teenager, uh, God really began to, to show up. God really began to pour out the rain. I went to a small church, but it was a giant church to me compared to the church I grew up in of 35 people. This church maybe, maybe had 150, 200 people in it. And it was a giant church to me, but God really started to rain on that church in our city. And I went to school with some of the teenagers that went to that church. And those, those teenagers, as their life started to renew, as their heart started to break, they started to reach out to me. I, I, I was out of church, had been out of church for a long time. I was lost, I was empty, I, was, I had no spiritual thought in my life, I had no, no sense of... God's forgiveness in my life. 
I had no sense of a relationship with God or following God in any way. But, but they started to reach out to me. And then my basketball coach, who also went to that church, started to reach out to me. And one of my teachers uh, started to reach out to me at the school that I went to. They, they started to reach out to me. And so one Wednesday night, I broke down and went to youth group with some of the teenagers. I went. I thought, yeah, this is all right. Uh, but they kept inviting me. So I went back. And then they kept inviting me. So then I started going to church on Sunday morning with them. So I'd go on Sunday morning. Then I would go to youth on Wednesday night. And then I started to go on Sunday night. And I can just tell you, the next three years of my life was one of the wildest rides I've ever been on in my entire life. The youth group was growing. The church was growing. We started a Bible study at lunch uh, at our high school. And some of us would take turns leading the Bible study. I found Jesus in the middle of a renewal. I found Jesus when he was pouring out the rain. That's how I came to God. That's how I started a relationship with him. That's, that's what I thought everything was. Because that's really the biggest experience, the most life-changing experience I'd ever had. Some Sunday nights, I can remember, I wouldn't even get home till 9 or 10 at night. We'd start at maybe 6 or 6.30. I remember one, one Sunday night, I didn't even get home till 11. What were we doing? We were praying. We would pray for hours. We just pray. And it was in the middle of one of those prayer times that I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was in the middle of one of those prayer times that I began to understand that God called me to be a pastor. It was in the middle of the rain. It was in the middle of renewal. It was in the middle of this incredible outpouring that my life, God did so much work in my life in such a short time it was accelerated. Our basketball team at our school and the cheerleaders at our school got together with the basketball coach and we started to plot out a way, how can we reach more people? And so he had this crazy idea. We painted every bleacher in our gym a different color. I mean, it looked like the Heinz 57 gym when you went in. So you come to a basketball game to our gym, and every not every set of bleachers, each plank individually was a different color. I think ours was two-tone purple. Who knows? Figure it out. And what we did is we would write the names of the people we were praying for on each, on each plank. Uh, on our, we each adopted. Some group of us would adopt one run of the bleacher. And we would pray. And every time we went to basketball practice, we'd start by praying for those people. That's what basketball practice was. It was praying for these people who don't know God. And when you came to a basketball game, you would sit on the name of somebody who didn't know God. And it was, it was absolutely wild. But let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. In my high school, we were seeing people's lives changed. And we saw people finding Jesus. And God showed up like the rain. For two and a half or three years, the rain was pouring out and pouring out. And we saw people coming to God you never would have thought would have come to God. Probably like me. We saw people, friends, teenagers, adults, people in the, in the outpouring of that rain coming to Christ. It lasted two or three years. And then the waters receded. And the spiritual climate got dry and tough. But when the waters receded, it left behind changed lives like mine. And my life was changed forever. And I've never, 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 never have I ever been the same. During renewal, people will come to a relationship with Jesus that will not come any other time. And I might be one of them. I don't know. So what do we do? 
Renewal is a supernatural work of God, right? It's when He shows up. I can till the ground, I can plant the seed, I can pull the weeds, but I can't make water. No farmer can make water. We have, farming is a billion, billion dollar industry. We have farming equipment that would blow your mind. We have things to go out there and get the harvest. These big uh, combines, air-conditioned refrigerators. and I think you even have little miniature stoves in some of these big tractors now. We've got equipment that would blow your mind. We've got science that would blow your mind in farming. Blow us away. But you know what we've never been able to do? Make rain. You know what you and I can't do spiritually? We can't make rain. God's the rain. We can't make rain. We can't make life's change. We don't have the ability to change anybody's life. God has to send the water. So how does that work? God is ready to send the water all the time. He waits for us. God waits for us to do our part. When we don't work the ground and we don't plant the seed, God doesn't send the water because we don't need the water. What do you need water for if you've got no seed in the ground? Why would we water dirt? If you only want renewal for you, you can have it for a little while, and then it'll die. If you only want renewal for Kingwood Church, we can have it for a little while, and then it will die. But if you want renewal for this county, if you want renewal for this city, now you're touching the heart of God. And He will send the rain. So what can we do? Just... Like, practically, what can we do? Let me give you a few ideas. First thing is we can pray. (laughs) Prayer never hurts. We can pray. You and I can ask God for opportunities and divine appointments. We can ask God to open doors that have not been opened before. We we can ask God to lay somebody on our heart. And before we leave today, that's exactly what we're going to ask Him to do. And when he does, we can start to pray for that person. If you observe that person or you see a need in their life. I've found the more you pray for a person, the more insight God will give you into their life. Because he's trusting you to minister to them. You will learn things that are, that are things for only you and God to know. And as you pray over their life and pray over their life, God will begin to 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 give you insight so that you might pray better so that you might pray more effectively so that you might get deeper in and see changes begin to happen and so that your heart might break for them so that you might begin to feel what God feels I heard somebody say years ago don't talk to someone about God until you've talked to God about them I think that's good Uh, another thing you can do is Uh, serve so here's the thing with serving we prayed it this morning for the person that's overwhelmed today for the person that's um, far away from God for the person who is not sure God 
loves them or cares. Do you know what happens when a Christian goes and serves somebody? Jesus said, if you offer a cup of cold water in my name, I'll be there with you. Do you know what happens when you reach out with an act of kindness to somebody who's not sure God loves them? It makes them feel God's love. It makes them begin to feel it. And a lot of times, our minds don't change till our emotions change. We feel so rejected. We feel so distant. We feel so isolated. We feel like God's not there or real or doesn't hear. And when God's people begin to act and to serve and to show an act of kindness, that love begins to break down that doubt. And they say, how did you know that I, that I needed that? Well, I was praying for you and it just seemed like the right thing to do. Wow. Now there's an open door. We can, we can invite. You can invite people. We work so hard at Kingwood to provide as many things in a year that you can invite somebody to who, who, is, who is maybe not close to God, doesn't have a relationship with God. We, we have, you know, we had Scrooge. We had 166 people come to Scrooge and pray and ask Jesus to start a relationship with him. And that's because many of you invited them. That's where they came from. Uh, Easter in 60 days will be Easter service. People who don't have a thought about God all year long, many of them will be trying to figure out somewhere to go to church for Easter huge opportunity so we, we had uh, blocktober parties we have life groups whose only purpose is to invite somebody to the group that doesn't know Jesus that's like the only purpose so uh, we, we do everything we can do but here's what I was thinking about this weekend I would have never gone to church I would have never crossed I was raised in church but it was a very small it was a drought <laughs> I was raised in drought and it would have never crossed my mind that I know of to go back to church anywhere. But my basketball coach invited me. And some teenagers invited me. And, and one of my teachers invited me. And a simple invitation, an outstretched hand, kindness pointed in my direction, opened the door for me to experience the rain. And I don't know where I would be today without those people. Another thing we can do is we can share. Uh, sharing, what, sharing your testimony sounds something like this. Would it be okay with you if I shared with you the difference that God's made in my life? I'm not selling anything. I'm not proselytizing. I'm not marketing. Would it be okay with you if, ask for permission. Would it be okay with you if I shared with you the difference God made in my life? You should have known me before. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm not perfect, but I'm a lot closer than I used to be. I was a mess. This is what my life was like, and this is what my life was like. And when I met God, let me tell you what changed. I found forgiveness. I found grace. I found that the insecurities inside my life began to heal. I found the guilt I'd been driven by all those years started to melt away. 
the emptiness that I felt in my soul all of a sudden was full, I began to experience excitement about life. Excitement about being alive. Joy. <laughs> I, I, I found joy. And, and, and I just, you've been on my mind, so I just wanted to tell you. That's all. And then stop. <laughs> You're not selling. You don't want to close the deal. Stop. You're a farmer, not a salesman. Plant the seed and stop. Give it a chance to grow. Water the seed and stop. And let the Holy Spirit God see what else has happened in our life. If we will fully return to God, God will send the rain and you will see people coming to faith you never thought would. That's what happens in renewal. So we see these pictures in the New Testament uh, or in the Bible of fruitfulness. God has a mission and during a time of renewal, He calls us to return to fruitfulness. So there's activity that we do while we're on earth that produces no eternal fruit. And there is activity that we do while we're on earth that produces eternal fruit. And He calls us to return to that activity that produces eternal fruit. So if you look through uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, let me just cite a couple of places that I find it. In Haggai 1, you can read the first chapter of that book, God sent a drought. You'll see this all over the Bible. God sent a drought because the people were working on their own houses while the temple of God was in ruins and neglected. And he sent a drought and he said, basically, your priorities are not my priorities. I don't want you to spend your whole life working on what's temporary and what's going to be consumed and what will never last across eternity. I want you to work on my house and I want you to work on what's eternal. And then you know what he promised? If you'll do that, I'll send the rain. Look it up. In the book of Jonah, we see Jonah was sent to Nineveh, this evil, dark city. And at the end of the book, Jonah's mad because people repented. <laughs> right, he's mad. Oh, you're just going to forgive them anyway. Shoot. It's hoping you judge them. Must have forgot he needed forgiveness one day. So he's sitting under this little vine. God calls this little vine to grow and provide shade. And then the vine died. And then Jonah, at the end of the book, is so mad at God that the, actually, I went back and read it last night. It says he was so mad at God he wanted to die. You know why he was mad about? Because the shade was gone. And God said, why would you be concerned about this plant that you didn't plant, you didn't make it grow, and you didn't make it die? Should I not be more concerned about the 120,000 people in Nineveh who don't know their right hand from their left hand? They don't know good from bad, and they don't know God. And he says to Jonah, I don't want you to spend your life consumed with things that produce no eternal fruit. I want you to spend your life producing eternal fruit. In Matthew 21, Jesus sees a fig tree that won't produce figs, and so he curses it. And it dies. Because it wasn't fruitful. In John 15, 8, we see a picture where, where Jesus says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And if you read all of John 15, you can see that the branches that wouldn't produce fruit, he cut them off and threw them in the fire. 
Now, look, I, I'm not getting into uh, eternal judgment and either you're going to reach out or God's going to burn us all to death. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying at all. Here's all I'm saying. Fruitfulness is God's heart. Fruitfulness is God's plan. He calls us to love people who don't know Him the way He loves people who don't know Him. That's the call. And no renewal will last until we take on His priorities and we take on His heart until we give our lives to what is eternal more than we do to what is temporary. So here's the question I have for you. As you look at uh, the area around our church, if you look at Shelby County, would you think, would you say that Shelby County is getting closer to God or would you say that Shelby County is falling away from God? Well, I can give you a, a thought that you may have heard me say before. Shelby County is the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. Let me say it a different way. We are the least church-attending uh, county in the state of Alabama. So let me, let me give you, I'm just giving you big round numbers. Shelby County has 200,000 people-ish in our county. The percent of people at a worship service today is, is a little more than 14%. Which means 28,000 people are at a worship service today and 172,000 people are not. Now, how do we know that God has sent the rain? How do we know that we're in renewal? How do we know that we fully engaged God with all that we are to all that He is? I'll tell you how we'll know. When this water baptism tank fills up so much that we have to like have the whole service to do nothing but baptize people. Or when we start having to do water baptism every week because so many people are coming to God, there's no other way, there's no other way to do it. That's a, don't say the rains come till then. It doesn't matter how good a service we have. It doesn't matter how much of God's presence we feel. It doesn't matter how, 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 how much attendance we have at soak. Until that tank fills, let's don't call it renewal yet. The clouds may be gathering. You may smell water in the air. But the rain hadn't begun to fall yet until there's fruit. We'll be in renewal when we get to this Easter and we've got chairs sitting out in the foyer because we can't fit everybody inside here because you've invited so many people that we can't hold them all. We'll be in renewal when Shelby County is not the most unchurched county in the state anymore. That's when we'll be in renewal. You will know that God has sent the rain when the harvest comes. Until then, let's keep seeking. We've said it this way each week just to put some legs on it. How do you know you're experiencing renewal? When unsafe people become more important to you than they were before, you know you're experiencing renewal. Until that happens, you only have part of what God wants. And that part's going to be very hard to keep alive. When I go back uh, home to Memphis for the holidays, I was back at Christmas. And I ride the streets around the um, broken down neighborhood I'm from. And I drive past houses that have things thrown through the windows that have burned down. The copper wiring's been stripped out. The, Heating and air units have been stolen and abandoned and then people living and I look and 
I see kids riding around the neighborhood. And I realize that the church that I went to as a kid, and the school that I went to as a kid, as they, as they moved through the glorious time of renewal, drought set in so bad that that church 20 years later eventually closed. And when I ride those roads, my heart breaks because I wonder how many kids are in those houses just like me who will never have a youth group to go to and who will never have a church to go to and who will never know God's forgiveness and never know renewal in their life because nobody cares. There's nobody there to care. And, and it makes me wonder why I got away. Why do I know? How do I know? And when I look back, I realize we need renewal. Why do we need renewal? Because some of you have husbands that don't know God. Some of you have wives that don't know God. Some of you have adult children and teenagers who don't know God. And you need renewal. We need renewal. Some of our family, some of our relatives, some of our friends, this county's slipping away from God and we've got to feel what God feels. We've got to let our heart break for what's breaking his heart. We've got to return to, to, to fruitfulness. Return to God fully and feel his heart. Now, this morning as we wrap up, I, I wanted to point you to the card that I put in your hand. If you'll take that card out, everybody in the room, if you'll take the card out and look at it with me. I said to you this morning, there is an activity that produces eternal fruit and there is activity that produces no eternal fruit. Like it might even be good, but it's in the moment. It's here, it's temporary, it won't last. In renewal, God calls us to return to producing fruit. So here's the thing. God has a plan to reach the whole world. Do you know what his plan is? It's the church. That's it. He doesn't have another, that's it. Like Jesus isn't coming again to reach the world. The next time he comes, it'll be very different. He has no other plan to reach the world other than the church. So what I want to ask this morning is, have you, have you invested in eternal fruit? Have you invested your life in eternal fruit? Now on the card, I've, I've given you three ways we can do that. One is giving. When you give, when you tithe, when you, when you resource the church, you empower and embolden the, the, the plan God has to reach the whole world. And so as you tithe, you help reach the world. As you tithe, you help bring renewal. As you, as you give, you help bring renewal. I wanted to share a quick testimony with you this morning because one of the things I'm asking you to consider, if you, if you are not a tither, in other words, a person that gives the first 10% of what you have to God, that is your way to say, God, I am with your priorities. My life is about what you're about. I put your priorities ahead of mine. And so if you haven't done that, we started something early this year we just call the tithing challenge. And here's how that works. You give 1% of your income to God this month, next month, and then every month you add a percent. And when you get to 10%, you're a tither. <laughs> In 10 months, you'll be a tither. 
And we, we offer that challenge because it is a practical way for you to say, God, I'm not going to just produce earthly fruit that will pass away, temporary fruit. I'm going to produce eternal fruit. That's what my life is going to be about. And so I want to encourage you to, to, to do that. But while, while you're thinking about that, I want to share a quick testimony with you that happened uh, last September. We did a series called The Blessed Life. And I talked about giving and what its purpose was and why God wanted us to do it and all of that. And we have a family in our church, and I'm sharing this story with their permission. They had some deep, um, deep challenges. I can't tell you the whole story. Uh, she, she had a um, single, single mom who had a son an adult son who was sick and passed away and they just had a lot of challenges in their life and here's what she said she said I would get home on Friday or I would go to work on Friday not always knowing how I would make it home didn't know how I would make it home didn't know if I'd have enough gas to make it home but God always provided and he never failed he provided food and gas and hospital parking because there was a lot of illness and our needs. And so here's what she said. She said, uh, so even when her income went way down and there was a season where there was a, a, a small job with a small income, she said, I kept tithing. Here's what she said. And every time or so many times I would write on the tithe envelope, thank you, Lord, for your provision or thank you, Jesus, because I was grateful that he had always met my needs. Now, now watch this. So she said, I would, I would write that on the tithing envelope, and I'm going to pray. And she said, but one of the things that I found is we begin to see God's goodness in the dark days and in the storms and in the famine and in the fire. And let me tell you what happened last fall. You're not going to believe this. She got a letter from her mortgage company, didn't apply for it, didn't ask for it, just invested in God's kingdom. Stayed faithful, cared for her son. She got a letter from her mortgage company forgiving her mortgage debt. I brought the letter with me because I didn't think you'd believe it. I want to show you the letter from Citibank. Your, this is the top of the letterhead. Your mortgage in the amount of $28,861 will be forgiven. You can read the whole letter. Well, the funniest part of the letter to me is at the bottom when it says, If you'd like to make other arrangements, please let us know. No, I'm good. No, I'm good, really. No, I think I'll be all right. But let me read for you what she wrote at the bottom of her email to me. She said, I'll see you Sunday. I'll be the one in the pew that's glowing. Not because of my removed mortgage, but because of a living God who never forsakes me, who was holding me up when I could not stand, who forgives me, who loves me, who's taught me the love of the Father. Wow. I just want to tell you that investing in fruit that lasts, fruit that's eternal, is a life of blessing. I'm not promising you your mortgage is going to get paid off. I don't know how God will bless you, and neither do you. That's up to Him. But He will bless you. So this morning, I want to ask you, would you consider making a commitment today 
to starting the tithing challenge. If you've already done that, would you help us pay off our legacy building? Our legacy building was built maybe, maybe 10 or 11 years ago, $2.8 million. Today, we are that close to $200,000. We are so close to narrowing that thing down. If you've never, as long as I've been your pastor, Stacy and I have given against that debt. 100% of everything you give in legacy will go against that debt. We want that debt gone because we want our hands free so that we can be fruitful in Shelby County. I want to see Shelby County come back to God. But we got to have a way to do it. And that building has been a key part. By the way, that's about the most used building we have. Services and groups and people meeting there almost seven days a week. If you can help us, maybe with a one-time gift or a monthly gift, $25, 50 $100, whatever, you, everything you can give will go 100% to the debt. We want to knock that thing down and out so that we can turn our heart toward this city. I want to see things, I want to see the rain come again. Here's the last thing, prayer. Yes, I will invite someone to Easter service on March 27th. Do you believe God loves people who don't know Him? Do you believe that? Do you believe God will talk to you about people who don't know Him if you ask Him? Then would you do that? This morning, would you just close your eyes? And I want to pray for us. And I want to ask God, I want to ask God to lay on our heart a name, person, picture of a, someone's face, that we just say, God, this is the person that you've put on my heart. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning, you are a God who loves people who don't know you as much as you love us would you lay on our heart and our mind right now someone someone at our school someone at our work so maybe it's someone in our own house maybe a family member maybe a neighbor or a friend God would you just lay on our heart someone that you want us to pray for someone we could invite to be here on Easter service, someone we could believe that you'd begin to pour the rain. With your eyes closed, would you just do me a favor? When God brings a name or a face to your mind, would you just lift your hand and put it back down? Would you just say, I, I, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yes, yes, yeah, 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 I'm just all over the room. In the, in the balcony, I, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance. If you did it already, would you do it again? Anyone in the balcony? Yeah, thank you. Yes, yes. Just lift your hand. Yeah, thank you. 